0: Our three years of on and off isolation has really put a strain on intimate relationships, partly because people were all of a sudden together 24-7. And uh that was um, a little too close for some people, I think. And for other people, they they were suffering a really high level of anxiety and depression, which makes any kind of intimate relationship difficult. So I'm talking to Carrie Goring today, and Carrie is a sensuality coach, um, and she's dealing with, and when we talk about sensuality, we're not just talking about sex, we're talking about all sorts of different levels of intimacy. So I'm gonna talk to Carrie. hi Carrie. how are you? Hello, Janice, it's a pleasure to
1: be here. And I am actually pretty good today, excited that we get to have this conversation.
0: Well, it's a difficult one and a lot of people, I mean, because intimacy, and we'll go into that, um, intimacy can be so difficult. But can you talk about the different types of intimacy? I I just love that
1: you're touching this because, you know, very few people recognize that there are differences and there are, there is intimacy that is on an emotional level. You know, think about your, your very dearest friend that you have a platonic experience with, but what may draw the two of you together is that there is this, 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 this deep uh, trust and like a vulnerability that you can express with that person. And that is a level of connection that is very deep. And then you can have this physical intimacy where there's something about a person that you just feel really connected with. And so you may want to be in touch with that person. You know, it's, it's it's about the way they hold you or the way that you feel with them. You know, some, some of us have like a snuggle buddy, that that's something that you really connect with. And then you can have an idea or a sense of a sexual kind of physicality with intimacy. And that's a person who sometimes it's just a physical thing. You see them and you're attracted to them and they turn on all your good, good feelings. And so there's a physical wanting um, or desire that's ignited where you want to have some sort of sexual activity with them. And um, while these things are very distinct and separate, sometimes they can overlap. And I think sometimes that's why we get very confused uh, because of that overlapping space we, we're not often very, it's not always easy to decipher what is which. And when we can figure that out, it makes our lives easier when we're working into this space.
0: It's interesting because, and you hear this, I think, more with people who have been a long-term relationship, where that friendship and that kind of closeness and being able to talk about anything, and maybe even the snuggle buddy, sometimes it doesn't even go that far That becomes more important to them in a relationship as the intimacy than sex does.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, I I really appreciate that comment because it's real. I think, um, you know, as I do the work that I do as a sensuality and intimacy coach, because I work very often with um, couples who you know are in relationships and want to improve, a part of the way that we work at that improving is to build the connection. It's to build this sense of intimacy, and um, intimacy really means vulnerability. It it's coming to a, a core space in who you are, in your in your humanness that makes you want to just take down all the barriers. And when we can create a space that has, you know, where we can take all of it down, where we can just be who we are and we are received lovingly from the other person who we're opening up to, that to me is a foundational base of intimacy. And then if you mix in, you know, sex and touch, well, then you've got a real special kind of relationship. So they are all intertwined. And I think the thing with understanding intimacy is as a relationship expands, or it it moves into more of a longevity type of space, it takes focus, you have to really work with your partner, you have to be willing to um, continue and, and, and you know, go in every so often to make sure both of you are at a level. And I think that sometimes the way we live um, just in the day-to-day can make that a challenging thing. And then they end up on my chair, but that's (laughs) what.
0: Well, that's a good thing and a bad thing, I guess. Good for you and bad for them. Uh, Well, actually, no, no, I shouldn't say that. It's very good if somebody can reach that level of, you know, I think there might be something happening here. We need to go either individually, I need to go or, or go as a couple. So let's talk about a little bit about mental health and where um, intimacy comes into that. So I mentioned sure. being in isolation and being with a person for a much longer sustained period of time um, than you would have been if you were uh, one of you or both of you were leaving the home and going to separate jobs What happened there? Why is that closer connection, more time together, which you might think would lead to more intimacy, actually had a negative effect?
1: Uh, It's uh, a hard one because I think there's so much there. When we went into the COVID mode, um, I saw quite a few couples and you're right. It either, it was very polarizing. And I think that's what it is. There's a polarization when all you got is, you know, there's only so much TV a person can watch. There's only so much of a book you can read, but you're looking, you know, right at your partner. And you add in that, again, if you haven't had a moment, because life happens, like before COVID, you may have been both going to jobs, you might have been running on separate schedules, that you don't always get that time to focus in front and center on what might be happening between the two of you. And so for many couples, when you got, you know, put in a room with just the two of you, it became very obvious to many people that maybe they weren't growing together in the same way that their ideas, their their thoughts, the way that they were connecting was not in alignment. And so a lot of people were getting annoyed <laughs> with each other. And I think it's also a deep reflection. Like we had to stop. And so you have to take a deep reflection and a look at yourself. And I think that very often our partners are a reflection of who and what and where we are in our processes and then add on of course this added layer of uncertainty that surrounded being in covid and us not knowing where we were headed in those especially in those early you know uh, months and first year of covid it was a very difficult and challenging time and uh, many people with their mental health were also affected
0: yeah that's interesting. Um, I hadn't really thought of that because I wanted to move into talking about the effect of um somebody who is already struggling with something like depression. so all of a sudden, actually, you could have two people in a relationship who are uh experiencing that and and then that becomes very difficult because um having lived with depression. To me, it was like being in a test tube, right? There was this feeling like I could see everybody and everybody could see me, but there was a barrier I, I couldn't touch. And so um, you withdraw so far from life and you have z- pretty much feeling like you have zero intimacy, emotional, physical, or sexual. It doesn't really matter. You are incapable. So if you've got two people in a relationship like that, that could be pretty hard. But let's talk about what it would be like for one partner. Um, you know what? Let's go back and let's talk about what is it like for a person, and how can a person help themselves or get, you know, help from their loved ones or or friends and so on if they are not able to even have that emotional intimacy
1: you know i i really enjoy this question um you know we don't talk enough about this either uh depression really i always say it's like breathing through a dish rag you know um everything feels muffled and muted and the emotional spaces can be challenging and i know even in my personal space i've come up against that many times just personally and with my partner as well we we both have had moments of of having to struggle with depression and still find ways to connect because the natural thing is to withdraw. And what I have always found is helpful was that um, once you understand your, your attachment styles, like where and how you interrelate to others, what will happen is that for me, Um, It's moving from that like radical space of understanding that you are depressed or you are feeling through this muted space. So if that is the case, if you can verbalize it in some way, that helps. And or what I found was if it's for me in myself, I would use just basic touch because we need to to almost shock your body. I don't want to call it a shock, but you have to kind of bring back in and rewire some of the snapsies that may be outside of yourself. So definitely if you're in a depression, always say, get some professional help, make sure that you have somebody, if you can access that. And if, and, and as a supplement, when you're trying to reconnect with yourself I always found that that it it helped if I do like physical touch so giving myself the hug giving myself that touch saying to myself that I love myself um, those were like the very rudimentary fundamental spaces of how I would work that and then it worked into uh my partner and I Like we were so disconnected and what we actually did. And this is what I do with my clients is we almost work with that fake it till you make it moment. And so um, once I knew where he was in it, I would ask him how and what do you need from me to be able to feel like we're connected? And for him, it was he needed me to check in on him three times a day. We were we both work from home even now and um to build back that sense of ourselves and intimacy we would do that so he needed those three times a day I really am um, a person I like acts of service I like things done for me so every morning he
0: would well, wake who doesn't up, right
1: right. <laughs> Right. I like that myself. I had to
0: jump in there, but I I am
1: mad at you. That's exactly the truth. Um, My partner, uh, he would make me a cup of coffee and then he would send me a text. Right. Because depending on where I'm at, he would send me a text three times a day. And we spent we specified like it was two o'clock. It was um, seven o'clock and then at 10. And even if we were in the house, he'd have to send me a text that said, i love you you are special to me and that cup of coffee in the morning and we did it for about at the time the we did it for a 15 day period like it was 15 days that it had to be done don't no exceptions and what what we found was one it built in a routine and i think when you are in the spaces of like a mental fugue if something is happening Sometimes it is about building some safety and comfort um, just from the routine. And I found that with that um, level of my touch, so that was a part of the routine for me, as well as his active um, acts of service and the same for him. We were finding that that routine actually brought us back into the space, brought us back into being able to connect or even just having the ability to start the process of connection on a physical level.
0: I shared a story with you that I read and I think this is, um, I read it and I thought this is exactly how you feel if you're in that deep paralyzing depression where it's hard to get out of bed every day. And it was the story of Sarah and Tom and they were a married couple. Sarah felt that totally disconnected from the world and um, terrible about herself, horrible self-esteem. And I mean, it can just start with, I can't get out of bed and do this and I should be able to do this. And she talked about when she would hear the door close and Tom had come home, she would try her best to get out of bed and see Tom. And that might be a short period of time, but he did exactly, or they did exactly what they, you were talking about. And this can be really difficult, especially for a, for a, a partner. She would try and start dinner and she would try and cook. And in the middle, it became impossible for her c- to continue. So Tom would come and say, I will finish. And that allowed her And I think that this is really important that people need to understand. And it goes to intimacy that allowed her to breathe and say, okay, I'm depressed. It's okay that I can't do this because Tom understood because she could cook a meal yesterday doesn't mean she can do it today. And it's extremely hard for the person, um, like I said, for the partner to be able to do that on a daily basis and have that kind of understanding because their life is, has become, you know, a literal hell as well.
1: And I, I agree with you, you know, um, it is a such a challenging uh, space when some, one of the, one of the partners in this couple um, is having and going through a severe or a sense of being depressed because it it is it can be like I, that that space of I can't get out of bed and so a lot of the work that I do is also about um, offering grace offering some grace in the spaces of how we approach being in relationship with each other. And what I mean by that is that when you are uh, partnering, it it takes two people, right? And two people being in their sense of who they are and that fluctuates. So it's almost like when, when we do this work, you need to look at you as an individual, who you are and what you are bringing into the relationship and your partner as an individual and what they bring into the relationship. And then there's this separate place, which is your relationship. And what happens is it's never necessarily an equal thing. You know, sometimes one partner is going to maybe have to add um, or extend a little bit further to bring in that security or this net. If you can imagine your this couple space being like this big bubble that you are creating of safety and love and support and so sometimes what that looks like is that you truly have to be willing to look at what are the needs and it may not make sense to you it may not but if you're if if the two of you can create a good balance of communication where you know it is affirming what others need, then you can make a relationship work because you'll be able to meet that person's need. And also being simple, like for, for example, Tom recognizing that she was in that struggle. And I, I'm sure that that was probably, if not communicated, he had enough wherewithal to know that she needed this moment. It was a, I went through a very similar thing with my husband. And there came a point where he was so just not able. And what it took was for me to say, how do I serve you in this moment? What do you need in this moment for me to make you feel safe? I had to give him that allowance to say, it is okay right now, my love. I have you. And let's work through this as you need it. And it took him literally over a year to really get himself back. And so, you know, it, it it's hard because sometimes you have to put some of your emotional state um, in a secondary place, but it's not secondary if you understand how to communicate it. And so that's where the things like making distinct, you know, tools, making distinct calls to action that can be routine and built in quick and easy, help the process of coming back into yourself possible. And therefore you can then come back into and create this beautiful space of the relationship, which is separate, but intertwined with you
0: part of what um, uh, sort of the end of of the story was that Tom, and this is what you were talking about with your partner, Tom would call to check in on how she was feeling, but he could also then say to her, I'm having such a bad day at work. And she would listen to him and make a comment. Um, But it's also, if we go back to sort of family and friends, uh, for me and for many people I talk to who are, you know, who have, uh, are are living with a mental illness or are struggling with, uh, you know, a severe episode or in a stable place. It's so important. And in me getting well, that I had my family.
1: I'm so glad that you, you had that level of support. Um, in your space, because that is so much of what is needed. Again, when we are struggling in our mental health and in our challenges, we're in this very vulnerable state. And so if we can have people around us, like our families, like, or in my case, um, it's been more about, I have an incredible friend network, um, where you can just lay it. Out where you can just be in that vulnerability, and they're willing to hold that space for you. It makes all the difference to recover, to cycle it all the way through.
0: You mentioned at the uh, at the beginning of the show uh, the importance of seeking help at some level. It can be hard to share your intimacy issues with your therapist. And I think that from from what you're saying, that would be a very important element of any kind of therapy that you were in. You're talking about your life and and what's happening. It's really hard to talk to someone, uh, a therapist, even though you trust them on so many other levels.
1: I know that that's kind of where I have come in because everybody recognizes when you work with me, I'm a trauma informed um, coach. So I really do work with the traumas that we come through and and what that can look like. But uh, very, very often too, it has to do with like your intimate um, interactions with folks. So it is important to know that you can or find out if you can, because it is a challenge uh, to make those kinds of connections, right? Because intimacy and our sexual life is such an important part of our overall health and well-being. And I know that a lot of people come to me because they know it's a no-judgment space, uh, and and have those have those emotions come out for you and have those feelings of pleasure come out.
0: Thanks so much in coming on and talking about this. We may have to talk again about a whole lot of other stuff because this is such a big project.
1: You're welcome.